believe I can fly. I believe I can touch the sky. I think about it every night and day. Spread my wings and fly away. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> I'm in the zone. Are you, are you? I thought you were testing your levels. <laughs> no. Uh, I, was testing your, I was testing your patience. Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Minimalist Podcast, where we discuss what it means to live a meaningful life with less. My name is Joshua Fields Milburn. Wait. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. I've and, been Josh this whole time. And I'm Ryan Nicodemus. <laughs> uh, all right, man. Come on. All right. Let's start it over. Here we go. All right. <clears throat> Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Minimalist Podcast, where we discuss what it means to live a meaningful life with less. My name is Joshua Fields Milburn. And I am Ryan Nicodemus. And together, we are the Minimalists. And we are broadcasting from our new podcast studio we are this is episode 118 it's about collecting and 84 percent of you asked for it <laughs> wait what <laughs> i knew they were asking for it <laughs> what were they what were they asking for well actually you and i were just talking about this before we we hit the record button here uh we're back in the saddle again oh yeah right right so so before we so we we took a little pause from social media uh throughout january and actually, this episode will be out um, first week of February, and so we're back on social media. Hopefully, we'll 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 spend maybe next next week's episode talking a little bit about the, what we've learned from that whole experience. But being off of social media, we before we before we jumped off, we we put this uh, little survey out there and said, "Hey, how many of you?" Uh, what do you prefer? Would you prefer our, our in-studio podcast episodes or you do you prefer the live episodes? And all the feedback we got was overwhelming, but a lot of people basically said, hey, love your live episodes, but really prefer the in-studio episodes. And so we've moved out here to Los Angeles, California. This is our first episode in our new studio space. I can't wait to share it with you all. We just had the sound panels put in here this week. That's why it sounds so crisp, so clean. And eventually, we're going to add a, a video version of the podcast as well. We'll put that up on, on YouTube once we get to enough Patreon supporters. But you can go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube channel now and get any new videos we put out there. It's just youtube.com slash The Minimalists. But yeah, we are, we're back in studio, man. Yeah, I am so thankful for our uh, Patreon supporters, man, because if it wasn't for them, we would not have this. In fact, uh, one of them um, emailed me the other day. They're like, "Can we have a can we have an inter- or a, 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 an interview? <laughs> can we have a tour of your new studio?" Yeah, and we should do that just for the Patreon support. Yeah, definitely. Like, do do we'll, some video. We'll or, definitely do that. We don't have the lighting set up in here. Actually, tomorrow we're supposed to set up some lighting. So it does, uh, if I were to take pictures right now. Uh, even though the space looks great, it wouldn't look good on camera because we've, we've already done some stuff. We have uh, some lighting being installed tomorrow. The sound panels are in. We got this beautiful paint. It's just like dark gray paint. 
and black sound panels. We've got our new studio table here in front of us. We were investing in some new equipment as well. And as soon as we reach that next threshold on Patreon, we will have enough money to to do the video version. That's really what I want to focus a lot on this year is doing uh, a lot more video work and putting it up on, on YouTube. And you know so, what's the same? Podcast, Sean. I wouldn't have it any other way. Ladies and gentlemen, podcast, Sean. He's here. Uh, he's here in the room. Uh, he's he's hiding his face still, so you can't see him. And we don't give him a microphone because he sounds much more intelligent That's than right. us. We don't want to sound any dumber than we actually are. Um, so, Ryan, we're talking about collecting. Collecting. Well, oh, man. I love collecting. Let me tell collecting you. Collecting memories. I've been collecting viruses the last two months. Ever since... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Ryan, in the radio biz, we call I've that heard a, some weird collections before. We man. call that a segue. <laughs> <laughs> you own a segue? <laughs> yeah, I drove it off a cliff, though. Um, no, I, I uh, man, uh, remember? So, so a couple episodes ago, we published our our event our, in Nashville with Griffin House, mm-hmm. which was was great. He played a song. He's one of our favorite musicians, and. The next day is when I just got deathly ill. I had hand, foot, and mouth disease, Man. which is a virus that usually affects children. But uh, I was going—I've been going through that mercury detox, which I got rid of mercury. But in the process, I think it really like beat the hell out of my immune system, and mm. so I've been prone to getting sick the last couple months. And uh, uh, th- I feel great today. Today, the last. I don't know, three or four days, the first time I've felt great in the last two months. I've, I've gotten awesome. sick after sick after sick. And in fact, I'm getting my uh, new apartment tested for mold this week just to make sure that like I'm not continually getting sick because there's mold there. And so tomorrow I got some folks coming out to, to take a look at, at the mold situation. But I feel great for the first time in a while. And so I'm glad I'm not here you know, under duress of of the many viruses that I've been collecting. Yeah, you're looking much better. I feel a lot better. Uh, I'm sleeping, and uh, I'm excited to be back here. And the question I have for you to kick things off before we hop into the listener questions, Ryan, Mm -hmm. is have you ever had a weird collection of anything in in days of yesteryear as a youth or in your 20s? I have a collection now. Uh, Really? Yeah. I've got... um I have well. So when we were on tour last year, the yeah. Less Is Now tour. I guess technically we're still on that tour because we're going to Australia with it. Right, right. But uh, the North American Less Is Now tour. So I, we found ourselves at all these venues and some really amazing venues, like the Wilbur, which is just like an iconic, beautiful theater in Boston. Yeah, it's almost like yeah, in, uh, I've heard Joe Rogan explain. He's shooting his, his next special there. Yeah, at the uh, at the Wilbur Theater later this year, and I heard him talk about how it's kind of like having three separate venues all together because there's the three levels, right? Yeah. And it makes it much more intimate, even though there's whatever eleven hundred, twelve hundred people there. It feels like you're talking to you know, three groups of three or four hundred people, yeah. and it makes it much more intimate than a, than a big space like that. It's yeah. a great venue. Yeah. So. So, you know, we went to all these, like, really cool venues. Um, the Fillmore in San Francisco, that's, like, an iconic theater. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, <laughs> Bogart's in Cincinnati, very <laughs> iconic. No, man. No, it, it's, like, it's iconic for me. Like, that's, that's, that was, like, my very first concert I ever went to. Um, never in a million years that I think I would be, you know, sitting backstage 
uh, being, you know, the the artist that was there. Yeah. Um, and it, it smelled like weed. It smelled like uh, weed in body odor. Yeah, it really <laughs> did. And Bogarts was interesting. Everyone was really nice, though. Because <laughs> I'd seen concerts there before. Yeah. And, but going back there, like, the, the roof was leaking, so they had trash cans in the middle of the audience. Yeah, like, dude. It, it was a, it's a, like a, a heavy rock venue. Yeah. And we're getting up there trying to talk about you know, getting rid of your collections right, or whatever. Right. No, it was, uh, it was great, man. Like, I, I loved every minute of it. Um, I mean, even sitting back there with, like, you know, with the, the strange smells going on, I was still like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm back here in, in the green room of Bogarts. Yeah. Um, but no, so every venue we went to, we would get these backstage passes essentially. Yeah, right. And they were, they all pretty much have a similar type of look to them. They've got the name of the venue and then they have a spot where like they either put your name or, uh, the, you know, whatever they put there to, to give you permission to go back and forth from backstage. So, um, when I was getting these, I'm like, God, I really want to like, really want to hang on to these. I'm like, but this is, it's stupid. Like, what am I going to do with them? Put them in a scrapbook? Like, I'm I'm never going to, you know, like the the thought of getting a scrapbook out and sitting down with my kids and being like, oh, here's the sticker from the Fillmore. Let me tell you about the Fillmore. Like, or worse, you don't even have kids, so getting other people's kids? Right, getting other other people's kids to look at it. Well, two things. Um, I don't need a scrapbook to remember the Fillmore. Uh, and B, um, to, for me, I'm not saying for everyone else out there in the world, but for me, yeah. having a scrapbook would just, it makes, it, it's silly for me. Right. So what I did though, is I had this idea, um, because I already do this on the bottom of my longboard is I put different like band stickers and stuff like coffee places I go to and you get stickers and like I'll stick it on the bottom there. So that's what I did with all these um, all of these backstage passes. I didn't do it with every single one of them, but the ones that like really stood out and like meant I don't a get lot. It. Were they stickers? There as were well? stickers. Okay. Yeah. So that's what the backstage pass was. It was a sticker. Okay. You you got these? I just threw them out as soon as they handed them to me. Probably. Yeah. yeah. So, um, well, I mean, you had to hold on to it. To no, I didn't. I, I never did. <laughs> there, there was one venue they wouldn't let me in. I was gonna say it was there, very confusing. Yeah, there was one venue I, they did the same thing to me. Um, but anyway, long story short, uh, yeah, so there were stickers and yeah, I was just like, you know what? I could totally like make use of these and they do look really freaking cool on the bottom of my longboard. So there you go. So yeah, so that, that is a, uh, it's a collection I have and it's not intrusive. It doesn't weigh on my shoulders. I don't ever, you know, think to myself, man, I gotta, I gotta arrange this sticker collection somehow. I mean, it's, it's there. It's, it's very, um, uh, unintrusive. I don't know how it, else to well, say it's it. Well, it's a trigger for memories as well. It's, yeah, it's, the, the memories obviously aren't in, in the stickers themselves. Of course that, not. That you didn't you know, turn them into a cup and keep your memories in there. Right. Like they, you, the memories are in you, and these allow you to trigger that in a way that doesn't actually get in the way uh, of your overall experience. Like if you all of a sudden uh, decided, well, uh, I'm not even going to talk to Mariah about this. I'm just going to put all these stickers all over our floor. Right. And she's gonna she be like, really, what, what are, you, are you doing? Why are you doing this? Right. right? And she and go, it was crazy. It, it would negatively affect your household that, that way as well. Mm-hmm. I, I think back to my 20s. And so you and I both grew up poor. And I remember when I first had access to any sort of money, mm. the first thing I started collecting was DVDs. 
and it was at a time where that's the way that you, I mean, you would rent a DVD, right? Mm -hmm. You'd go to the local Blockbuster. Yeah. Um, uh, or we'd go, what was the place up on Deerfield Road? Um, Crazy Mike's maybe? No, no, no. He, no, no, no. That's, in, that's in Missoula. He, a guy named Heath owned it. Video yeah. Gallery. Video Gallery, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right, we used right. to do uh, NBA Jams competitions Didn't up he there. like no karate or something? He totally knew karate. Like, like almost knocked out Jerome or something? <laughs> yeah, my brother. Yeah, yeah. He, Heath was so old. I think he was 22. <laughs> and he owned this. this that, he was so yeah, like, video in rental high school. Store. We looked up to him like, wow, he's an adult. And he knows karate. He knows karate. <laughs> I mean, you can't get any cooler as an adult than owning a video, a, store. A video store where you rent video games and knowing karate. <laughs> oh, my God. He's still the coolest dude in my book. So my brother was like the toughest kid in our school, but he would go up there and just mesmerize that this guy knew karate. Uh, and he'd ask him to do like jump up and do kicks and stuff. Anyway, I have no idea where. I, oh, yeah. I, I started buying DVDs instead of renting them. And mm -hmm. like I then, of course, had to get the sort of whatever the bookshelf equivalent of a DVD holder that mounts on the wall. And then I'm alphabetizing them. And I realized like. I, I remember when I got that first big commission check and I was 18 and I'm like, oh man, like I can, I, I, I can go buy a DVD, but I don't just have to buy one. I have, I mean, what is it? It's $150 to buy 10 DVDs. I can buy 10 DVDs. I've got $150. Wow. I can buy 10 DVDs. Yeah. And, and then of course, like I need more and more. And then that bled over into other things. Like I, in my t early 20s especially, I remember being a big fan of Al Pacino. And, like, especially his obscure movies like Panic in Needle Park and, uh, um, I want to say Sicario, but that's th that that's a, a, a new film. Um, <laughs> you don't have to impress me with your obscure Al Pacino movie, no, uh, movie uh, references. So what's, what's, <laughs> what's the film when he says, no, you're out of order? Uh, Justice for All or something like that? I have no idea. Yeah, yeah. So Sean's giving me the thumbs yeah. up there. Yeah, so so anyway, like I would buy movie posters of these things and uh, photos or scripts, signed scripts from these. Like I'd go to eBay and like buy a signed script from one of these these you know uh, wow. films and it'd be... It'd I didn't be realize he did that. $70 or something. Yeah. Which I could technically afford... I couldn't really because I was starting to put stuff on credit cards or whatever. But like, oh, I'll just pay it off next month, whatever. Right. And then I was just buying it because I could. Mm -hmm. Not because I should or I must or it's going to truly add value to my life. But I'm just going to collect this because I can collect it. Because I had been deprived for so long. I felt like the answer to that deprivation was collection. Mm -hmm. And... and so I didn't. I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with owning those things necessarily, but what was wrong is why I was accumulating them, just because I could. Mm. And I think now that you know I've got a four-year-old, she does a lot of things just because she can do them. Right? She can throw something across the room. She can binge watch Daniel Tiger or Dinosaur Train, and and because she can it doesn't mean that she should do it and right as adults we just do the the same thing man that's like and that's permeated like every every other culture that that is trying to mimic what uh you know the western civil what western civilization is doing i'm trying i'm being stilted right now because i'm trying not to like call out any other countries or like no, even, even talk bad about the culture but but there is this attitude of 
if you can, then you should. Yeah, yeah. If you can, then you must. Yeah, and it's like, I mean, how many times is that an answer? Oh, why did you do that? Because I can. Mm. Why did you go into the, oh, because I can't. But that tends to be the best answer that we come up with quite often because it's the only honest answer. Yeah, but it seems like, you know, looking at it from that perspective, uh, you know, looking at Ella, um, it seems like like an irresponsible answer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, it absolutely is irresponsible. So here's one culture we can call out because they called themselves out to me recently. Um, I did a few interviews in Australia last month, um, actually back in December, and just over the phone with some different newspapers, different organs, um, and they were talking about the American dream permeating their borders and, and sort of this idea of if I can purchase it, then I should purchase it. Uh, bigger is better. Um, and I don't believe that bigger is worse or better. I think it, it's all circumstantial. <laughs> bigger right? is just bigger. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, whether that's a bigger house or a bigger car or, or whatever, like what, what, what do the circumstances dictate, right? Mm-hmm. And for me, the circumstances didn't mean I needed to, to get the new or the, the old, actually, Al Pacino movie script that's signed. Uh, I didn't. I didn't need those things. I just. In fact, I didn't even know why I wanted them. And if I would have sat down and started asking myself some serious questions, like, "Why do you want this? What void are you trying to fill with this? Are you going to get any value from? It? Are you actually going to sit down and read this? Are you going to appreciate it? Is it a piece of art, um, or are you just celebrating the consumption? And quite often, I think that's what I was doing. I was I was celebrating the act of consuming, mm-hmm. and and I still see that that trigger in me now. And I think some of the questions we have to answer today, and we can we can we can jump into those because I really see a reflection of myself and my own habits that I've either changed or my own proclivities that are very difficult to change, and they always creep back in to into the picture. Our first question is from Romas. There's this tug of war between um, uh, wanting to have fewer but more meaningful objects in life and then meaningful objects themselves just being a uh, fascinating thing uh, to celebrate for their beauty or craftsmanship or usefulness or whatever. And there's just something about multiples, uh, a repeated pattern uh, that can create a kind of bigger effect. Um, One plus one plus one uh, is more than the sum of its parts. And... I mean, along the ways I've grown up, uh, I've sold my coin collection, I've given away my baseball cards, my comic book collections, so I'm not necessarily attached to these things, but I still find myself seeking out multiples, you know, multiples of whatever, vintage pens, fountain pens, or lead soldiers, or whatever, and that seems to be more like a kind of purposeful, patterned activity uh, with maybe a larger meaning than just a kind of blind hoarding of random stuff. So my question to you is, can you reconcile the collector's mindset with that of the minimalist? So Ryan, I, the first thing I think about is, I don't really, col- I mean, collecting is, is in the eye of the beholder, right? Sure. I, I tend not to collect things for the sake of collecting them. He used some interesting words here about multiples. Mm. And, and about the collection being more than the sum of its parts. And the, the thing that I can think of in my own life that is the, the only thing that I, I can think of that would be considered a collection might be my bookshelf. And I don't have a whole lot of books, maybe, I don't know, 50, um, 40. Uh, I'm not sure. I don't have a whole lot of books. But the books that I have, I do find them 
the experience of them meaningful. I don't find the objects or the artifacts themselves meaningful. And and so the first thing I, I would warn anyone about is it, nothing is inherently meaningful. Everything has only the meaning that we give it. If human beings all of a sudden were wiped off the face of the earth, they all just spontaneously combusted, all seven billion of us, there wouldn't be meaning in those objects anymore, right? Other than the meaning that we did give to it, right? Mm. And so when I, when I think about when I think about meaning within things, it just means what is the purpose it has for me? And, and right. the, those books they they serve a few few purposes for me. One is I got a beautiful bookshelf, and it looks really good to have them displayed. It sort of looks like art the way that they are displayed on on this bookshelf. But in addition to that, I find that. They're useful because they're some of my favorite books to go back and reference and either share with other people. You know, my partner Bex, her and I were just uh, going through the books this past week, and uh, one of my favorite authors is uh, a woman named Mary Carr, and she's mm-hmm. written three memoirs that, I mean, I, I, I was showing Bex, like, you can open up to any page, and it's just gorgeous writing. It's like poetic. And, and it's about these sort of downtrodden scenes. You know, a lot of this stuff takes place in West Texas and, and sort of trailer park, downtrodden. But she finds the true beauty just in the sentence structure there. And me being able to pull that book out and show back to that right there, that, that experience and that sharing is meaningful. Mm-hmm. The artifact sitting there on the shelf, if it's just sitting there, it's not meaningful. It's, it's just there. Yeah. I'm not using it. Yeah, I, th- I think the question that you raised where, you know, is this meaningful for me? That's that's the question. I mean, you know, what um, what he's asking here is, you know, can one reconcile the minimalist mindset with collecting? The short answer is yes, like you absolutely can. But the way you get there, it's not because Josh and I have come up with some minimalist rule or uh, we have looked to the the ancient minimalist philosophers, and we're using their their rules. Um, what Josh and I are really trying to do is is help people decide for themselves. So the question that he should be asking here isn't, "Well, can one reconcile?" The question he should be asking is, "Is the collections that I have that I desire to have are they adding more value to my life, or are they adding more stress?" Okay. Now, him asking this to me, it doesn't sound like he's stressing out. It sounds like he has a collection that he really enjoys. Right. And he's looking for permission to have it. Or he, he has a conflict, it sounds like. Yeah, there, there is some kind of conflict. The, the, so the, my answer is, is if you enjoy that collection, if it truly is adding value, like the stickers on my longboard, um, if that longboard got shredded somehow on accident or you know I lost it or someone yeah. stole it, right. I wouldn't miss it, man. Sure. I mean, that's, and we've said that a lot, like how our, you know, one of the powers we have gained over the last several years of doing this is the power to let go yes, and, and have no attachment to any, to anything, but, um, to any, you know, physical item. But, uh, but, but what I'm saying is, is that for me, that collection, it's unintrusive. It, it does not take up any extra space. It takes up, you know, one little bit of extra small layer on the bottom of my of my longboard but what i'm doing here is i'm showing my rules like my rules are uh i'm not going to have just you know a collection of 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 something taking up room in my house Mm -hmm. um i'm certainly not going to be cluttered there are there are ways that mariah and i live our lives 
and uh, those stickers that I have on the bottom of my longboard, it does not affect the way that Mariah and I really want to live our lives. So that's the question to ask. It's not, is it okay for a minimalist to collect things? It's the things that I want to collect as a minimalist, is it going to interfere with the way that I want to live my life? And he used some interesting words in there to, to, to follow up on that. Uh, one word that I wouldn't use, he was talking about celebrating these objects. Mm. I don't want to celebrate the material possessions in my life. And, and I think instead of celebrate, the word I would probably use is appreciate. Mm. And, and if you can shift, it's a slight shift in mindset, but it changes everything, especially with those two words that you just mentioned, Ryan, letting go. Yep. Because it allows you, if you can appreciate the thing without celebrating it, it, it increases your ability to be able to let go. A few other words that, that I, I would use there is instead of celebrating the 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 possessions, instead of the possessions being, well, or, or maybe some of them are useful. In fact, that's a word that he used. He said, I want to celebrate their beauty or their craftsmanship or their usefulness. And I think that's great. I want to appreciate the beauty. I want to appreciate the craftsmanship. I want to appreciate how useful those objects can be. Not all of them are going to be useful, though, right? We talk about adding value. Mm -hmm. Something adds value if it serves a purpose. That means it's useful. Or if it brings me joy. Mm -hmm. That can be a piece of artwork on, on the wall. It could be my the, the art of my book collection, right? My, my bookshelf of books. Uh, I can... Uh, I can appreciate the beauty of that, even if I'm not getting the same sort of uh, functionality out of it. And um, the, the thing that, that I'm thinking about here, though, is those items that are being collected are magnifying my experience of life. They're augmenting the experience of life. They, they amplify my experience of life. And if I can say that, if I can say it augments, it, it amplifies, it supplements, it magnifies, it appends my, my experience of life, then that's great. Too often, though, our collections end up getting in the way. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think of, if I go back to that DVD collection, a lot of that just sort of, made its way to my basement eventually because I was having trouble letting go of it because I was celebrating that collection. Look at all these things I have. Uh, what does it say about me as a person? Well, I'm, I'm a complete person without those things, right? Mm -hmm. And hopefully they'll, they will, they will, those things will augment my experience of life instead of just uh, uh, trying to be a, a, a part of, of my life. The other thing that um, I think about here is... Um, those those collections, those items that we collect, quite often we we like those things, but sometimes we just liked those things. Meaning, I think I'm supposed to hold on to this collection because once upon a time I liked it, mm. or maybe I told myself I liked it and I didn't actually like it. Mm -hmm. And and when we get to that point where it's like, well, I didn't actually, I, I don't like it now. I liked it before, and he he mentioned he had baseball card collections and other things that. He had no problem getting rid of. And I think that's great. And so maybe the, the thing to keep asking here is, do I still like this? Is it still appropriate for my life? And if not, then there's some sort of weird imaginary value there, right? And, and, and because nothing is inherently meaningful, I mean, even, even money is meaningful only because it has a, it's only valuable because we say it has a value. Like I agree that a dollar is worth a dollar and you agree that, that same piece of paper is worth a dollar. Once upon a time it was gold and, and silver coins. And before mm -hmm. that it was seashells that people all agreed. Like this is the currency we use to, 
to to uh, give to each other. If I try to pay you in seashells now, you think I would think I was a crazy person. Oh, Josh, you could pay me in seashells anytime. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 that's just because the things have the value that we say they have, mm-hmm. and and we're agreeing that they all have the same sort of value, but realizing that there isn't this intrinsic value in the thing, and so that helps me let go because I realize that like the thing either adds value to my life or it goes back to the thing with my with my Al Pacino scripts. It was something that I was supposed to own. For whatever reason, I just told myself, like, well, I'm supposed to own this. I, I, I'm supposed to collect this. Um, this is what people do. They have collections. They have their own little things that they like. Mm-hmm. And, man, tell you the truth, I didn't even like it. I didn't spend much time reading over those scripts. I didn't, like... Really, I didn't even appreciate those things. I celebrated them, and that was actually the problem. Yeah. All right, I'd love to send Ramos a copy of our book. Uh, it's an essay collection called Essential. So, Sean, if you could reach out to him. There's a whole chapter in there about stuff. There's a chapter about minimalism and then a second chapter about stuff. There's 12 chapters in total, 12 areas of living a more intentional life. Uh, it's on audiobook if you want to send that to him. If you like the podcast, you'll like the audiobook. But it's also in book book and ebook as well. Sean, if you could reach out to uh, to him and get him a copy of Essential, I would appreciate that. All right, our next question is from Molly in San Francisco. I'm calling because I have a question about what to do with things like trophies and medals. I'm on a Dragon Boat team, and in the last four years, we've won some medals. And in the coming years, I assume we'll win some more medals. Um, They don't necessarily bring me any value or joy, so I would like to get rid of them. But I don't know if it's something I should just toss in the garbage or if somebody can actually use the metal or if it's something I could actually donate somewhere. Um, Do you guys have any idea or do any of your listeners have any idea of of someone that can do something with uh, medals and trophies? Man, what to do with all those trophies. Molly, congratulations on being an awesome athlete. It sounds like she's winning, her and her team are winning a lot of trophies. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. I wrote something down here, Ryan, and I don't know how true this is, but it seemed at least profound to me in the moment. I I, uh, I wrote down trophies look back, champions look forward. Yeah, man. And and I, I think about like whenever whenever we've you know, theoretically won something, right? Like mm-hmm. if I feel really good about an accomplishment or whatever, you've accomplished something, mm-hmm. like. Uh, it's okay to, to to appreciate that moment, but like I don't want to just hug onto that trophy, just clinch it for the rest of my life. Look at me, look at me, look! I've got this big trophy, and so I want to say congratulations to Molly because she's already acknowledging that. She's saying, yeah. "Look, these don't really add value or bring me. They don't bring me joy, really." Yeah. And it sounds like they're even getting in the way. But she's like, "Well, should I throw them out?" And, and my answer to you is no. And so I'm going to link to in the show notes. We'll put a link to this Recycle Bank article, and, and I, so I did a little bit of research here for you, Molly, because there's some stuff you can do with old trophies. So yeah. uh, this is a Recycle Bank article. It says old trophies and medals are often made from recyclable materials, but they also hold value in their current form and many can be reused. So that's another way of re- recycling, right? Is to have them just be reused. A number of companies have programs dedicated to 
specific, uh, specifically to the art of refurbishing trophies. The best known of these is a company called Total Awards and Promotions in Madison, Wisconsin. There's also one called Lamb Awards and Engraving in Maryland. Uh, these programs break unwanted awards down for parts, rebuild new trophies and plaques with whichever parts are usable and recycle, and they, they recycle the rest. Uh, the, the rebuilt items are then donated to nonprofit organizations or resold. Both programs will allow you to ship trophies that are in sufficiently good condition uh, for you know nominal shipping fee, basically. And so it goes on to talk about medals. Uh, while medals are accepted by these programs, there are also options dedicated specifically to giving medals a new life. There's a program called Sports Metal Recycling. It's a Massachusetts-based organization, and they, uh, c- they contribute all their proceeds from recycling donated medals to f- fundraising for uh, different charities. So basically, you do have some options there. There's another company called uh, Medals for Metal. They accept old marathon, half marathon, and triathlete medals, and they give it to, to kids who are fighting serious illnesses. So there's some resources for you there to anyone else who is is looking for a way. Like There's weird things that we don't think about recycling, and then it's like, well, shit, I guess I'll just throw this old trophy out because I, no one's going, I can't just give it to the goodwill. It's like, look, it's my eighth grade basketball trophy. And then there was another article I'll put a link to. I won't go through all the stuff in here, but this one is from the Mother Nature Network, MNN. Uh, how to dispose of eight odd, seemingly difficult to recycle items. And they talk about how to recycle prosthetic limbs, how to recycle your bras, crayons, old greeting cards. This one seemed odd. Your pet's fur. <laughs> um, <laughs> your dentures. Finally, I got something to do with that collection of Max hair I've been <laughs> building up. <laughs> building up on your lint rollers. Oh, my goodness. Uh, your sex toys. You can donate them, which is actually I need to read through this. Um, and uh, old trophies. We already talked about that. So eight different th- uh, things that you can go to there. We'll put a link to that in in the show notes. And and here's the thing. I mean, we often don't think about it. Like we collect these things and we we accept them without thinking about how am I going to get rid of this. I know we're out on tour, right? Especially when we do bookstore tours. I, I love going to these indie bookshops, but they almost always want to give us a coffee mug and a T-shirt <laughs> every time we show up. <laughs> and and I mean, I, I can if we've done what three hundred tour stops over the years. Yeah, I've lost count. Can you imagine going back home with three hundred coffee mugs and three hundred you know bookstore T-shirts? Like, I I just. Uh, I have to say no up front because it makes the recycling a whole lot easier on the back end. If you say no now, I don't, I don't have to say no to the thing later on. It becomes more difficult later. I see what you're saying, man. What you're saying is is you don't have to worry about the clutter if you don't accumulate the clutter. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's genius, man. Is that what we've been saying this whole time? You know, I was when I was looking for uh, ways to recycle trophies, I was... I, must have Googled the same thing you did because I found the same two articles. The other thing that I found while Googling was this Pinterest, and I'll shoot this over to Sean so he can put it in the show notes, but it was this Pinterest leak of, look at all these amazing things you could do with trophies, but some of them actually are kind of cool. I mean, you know, if you're into art and other art projects and things like that. Yeah, I mean, and that's another thing we've talked about in the past. We, we've we've talked to our audience, and we've had different people who who take these old sort of heirlooms, especially like old clothes that maybe people aren't going to use, and they like 
they'll take their mother's old jean jacket and frame it and turn yeah. it into some like piece of art that they can put on their wall and they can then appreciate it as opposed to it sitting in a box in a closet somewhere that no one's ever going to use. My favorite are heirloom tomatoes. <laughs> Those are the best. Do you have a collection? I do. You know when she when uh <laughs> my mom left me all these heirlooms. It's just a box of tomatoes. <laughs> it's a box of tomatoes. That's great. When when I was listening to Molly's question, it made me think about my most prized trophy, and it was a it was a third place trophy I got. <laughs> <laughs> it was a third place trophy I got in a four wheeler in an ATV race. And I was so proud of myself because, dude, it is, it looks so easy when you see people like riding dirt bikes on a track, but like when you actually do it, it's You've like. You've injured yourself so many times oh on those God, stupid bikes. But on a four-wheeler, it's like you're wrestling, you're wrestling 400 pounds for like 15 laps, dude. It's unbelievable. Yeah, you're, you're riding a mechanical bear. I thought I was going to die afterwards. Anyway, it was like, it was really awesome. But when, it, you know, when it finally came time for me to like, you know, face this object and get rid of it, um. Yeah, it, it, I don't even think I took a picture of it because I kind of thought what you thought. I'm like, Ryan, do you want to sit here and tell the story about how you won third place <laughs> in this ATV race, man? <laughs> like, like thinking about it that way, I was like, yeah, dude, just get rid of the trophy. Like, I'm What's not- the uncle's name in Napoleon Dynamite? It kind of feels like that. Yeah, yes, it does. Or, oh, or I forget his he, name. he's just reliving Rico, the, maybe? No. I, that sounds right. Uncle Rico. Sean, Sean's giving me the, the, the is nod. It, is it Rico? Yeah. It, and it, where he's just sort of throwing the football everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Like, imagine you, like, just pretending you're on the four wheeler. Yeah. Guys, I was like this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I could jump a 40 foot tabletop. <laughs> Please tell me there are more than three people in this competition. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's go on to the uh, lightning round. <laughs> uh, Molly, I want to leave you with one thing here. Uh, there's an essay that we have on our website called Collecting is Dangerous. We'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. It goes a little something like this. Collecting material possessions is not unlike hoarding. Take it from two former hoarders. Um, collectors of stuff. The word collector just sounds way nicer. No matter how hard we try to hide behind euphemisms and other semantic trickery, though, the truth will always find us. Don't believe us? Look it up. The Oxford American Writers Thesaurus lists the following synonyms under the first definition of collection. Here are the synonyms with collection, y'all. Hoard, pile, heap, stockpile. It's strange. There are myriad TV shows, websites, and clubs all dedicated to collecting things. Not creating things, but collecting them. We don't believe there's anything inherently wrong with owning material possessions, but we do wonder why so many of us collect things. Why do we give our belongings so much meaning? The things we collect become elements of us. Our collections become part of our identities. But what happens when we take away our collections? Are we not the same beautiful people? Actually, when we jettison our superfluous possessions, we discover we're already perfect, beautiful through and through. And that's one thing I have to think about. If I were to quickly turn this into a therapy session, Ryan. um, (laughs) Which we do a lot of the time. If it's not a maths podcast, (laughs) we don't turn it into that. (laughs) It's funny, with this new studio we're in, we actually have a therapist directly across the hall. And, uh, yeah, I'm tempted sometimes, like, 
because I, I still experience these same sort of feelings. Like I, I, I want to collect things. I want to bring new things into my home. And, and now that we moved out here to California and I'm slowly sort of populating our home with stuff, like the stuff that we need, I also feel this pull to like, oh, I need this this decorative item. And, and actually next week on, on next week's podcast, we're, we're going to do a, a separate podcast episode about decorations. Mm-hmm. And I think that one, Ryan, is really going to turn into a therapy episode for me. I'm going to need your counsel. Um, <laughs> and, and because what do you, do? What do you, you don't have a lot of decorations. I know. And that that's the thing. I, I have very few, but I feel the sort of pall of of man maybe I should get this thing or I saw uh, that thing in the magazine that would be a good combo I do right, appreciate we'll we'll yeah I appreciate it. the aesthetic beauty mm-hmm. but but I also um, need to be careful and realize like look I'm complete without this mm-hmm. and so a preview for next week the one thing that I want to talk about next week is um, I don't have the rule of like no artwork on my walls ever my rule is actually the opposite of that. I'm complete without any artwork on my walls. Mm-hmm. And therefore, if I do end up wanting to put something on my walls in the future, I can go into it recognizing like this doesn't make me a more complete person. This isn't part of my identity. This is just something to perhaps make the space more beautiful, right? right. And is it actually going to bring me joy or is it what I'm supposed to do? And so I think that's that's something to think about. We will we'll talk a lot more about that next week. But in the meantime, we'd love to hear what you all have to say. Oh, wait, Molly, 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 Molly. Um, you're in San Francisco, which isn't far away from Los Angeles. And so uh, we have an event uh, this weekend, and uh, we're filming a new documentary. It's called The Minimalists Less Is Now. It's a follow-up to our Netflix documentary, Minimalism. We're going to dive a lot deeper into my life and Ryan's life, backstories, but we're building it around this talk. So we went out and we gave this uh, two separate talks over the last year in 50 different cities, and now we're finally ready to record it in this beautiful space. So we found this space called Electric Pony Studios in Los Angeles on February 10th. Um, we are recording a 3 p.m. show and a 7 p.m. show. The 3 p.m. show is already sold out, but uh, there's still a few tickets left for the 7 p.m. show. So, Molly, I'd love to give you a couple tickets if you're interested in being a part of that taping. So we're going to film that talk, and then we're going to build this next documentary around that talk. So, uh, Sean, if you could reach out to Molly and maybe give her a couple tickets. If anyone else is interested, they can find uh, ticket information over at our website, theminimalists.com. Just click on the tour page over there. You can find all of our our dates there if there are still tickets left. All right, Ryan. Um, We'd love to hear what the audience has to say. So if you have a comment or tip about collecting, including advice for any of our callers today, uh, this is my favorite part of the show. In fact, we need more of these because uh, we get a ton of questions. People call in all the time with questions. We we can't possibly answer every single question. Ryan, we'd have to do seven podcast episodes a day, I think, to answer everyone's question. <laughs> but we really appreciate... Heck, we celebrate your comments because they help us out. They, they help uh, the people in our audience out because it gives people different perspectives. So it, gra- it, it radically, I was going to say gradually, but actually it radically increases your chances of being on the show. If you have a comment or tip for any of our listeners today or any comment or tip about collecting, then leave us a voicemail, 406-219-7839, or you can just send a voice memo right from your phone to the email address podcast at theminimalists.com. We will air our favorite comments and tips on a future episode, and I'll learn a whole lot from it. Ryan, what time is it? You know what time it is. It is time for our lightning round where we answer questions from social media. We are on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at The Minimalists uh, during the lightning round. So Ryan and I 
we, we do our best to answer each question with just a short, shareable, less than 140 character response. We also put the text to these minimal maxims in the show notes so you can copy and share our pithy answers on social media if you like. And you can now find all of our pithy quotes in one place, minimalmaxims.com. Our friend Jessica Lynn Williams, she, uh, she curates all of our quotes and puts them there at minimalmaxims.com. Our first lightning round question is from Kelly. Kelly asks, well, she writes in. This, this is a long one. Just uh, <laughs> give me a second. Now that we've got uh, 280 characters on Twitter. Well, actually, I, I, so we, we uh, spoiler here. We actually didn't, we were recording this while we're off social media. So I had to go to our Patreon supporters for these, for these questions. Oh, that's, that's why it's so long. Yeah, it is. No, it's, it's, a, it's, a great, it's a great question though. All right. So, so Kelly writes in, I am not a collector but live among avid collectors, my husband and and two children. I often feel overwhelmed by the volume of things they have. I've recently sold and donated many items I no longer enjoy, and I hope I'm setting a good example. Kelly, it sounds like you are. But it doesn't feel any less cluttered here. How can I lovingly express how I feel about their collections without making them feel like they can't collect the things they bring that bring them joy. Well, my, my short answer is, and I'll have a little aside, a little rant here. My short answer is clutter is in the eye of the beholder. And I think, I think that you might be looking at their collection and, and saying it's clutter. They're looking at their collection and saying it's a collection. Mm-hmm. And, and it's different, right? Now, it also changes over time. You might look at your old collection, like I look at my old collections and say, the thing that was once a, a collection, the thing that I liked, I no longer like. Mm-hmm. And, and there's a huge difference between liked and like. And what you're t- telling me right now is there's something that, that you don't like and it's something they they do like mm-hmm. and so the metaphor for me is really the 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 not nice way to ask this question is how do i force the people in my family to get rid of their stuff now she's asking it not in that way and she's actually trying to be very considerate mm-hmm. and, and she's doing many of the right things like i i'm trying to set the example for them right mm-hmm. but but if if what if i were to ask the question this way ryan like how do I convince you to put your hand in the garbage disposal? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You'd be like, what? <laughs> like have that's to have to give me a pretty good argument. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and, and it's because you, was, why wouldn't you want to put your hand in the garbage disposal? Right. But seriously, no, why? Why wouldn't you want to put, why wouldn't you want to put it in there? Because my hand would be disposed of. <laughs> it would hurt. <laughs> it would definitely hurt. Yes. Right? And you're going to feel pain in doing that. And I can't think of a good reason for you to do that right now. There could be one, you know, to save your child's life or whatever. Like there's some some reason to insert do it. good reason there. Yeah, yeah, and and the point being is, you're not willing to make that 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 decision that's going to cause you an immense amount of pain. And right now, all they're seeing mm-hmm. in letting go of the clutter or the collection is a is, hand in the garbage disposal. Yeah, they're seeing the pain. <laughs> right. And it's because you have different expectations. So what you're saying, I them. see what you're saying here, dude. What you're saying is, is Kelly should first pitch her family to put their hands in the garbage disposal. <laughs> right. And then... And then suggest that they declutter a little bit. Guys, wouldn't this be easier than putting your hand in a garbage disposal? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so um, uh, I, I think maybe the best way to approach this for Kelly is 
why not just ask them the same question you just asked us? How can I lovingly express that how I feel about your collection? Yeah. And, and ha, here's the thing. How can I tell you in a loving way that this is stressing me out? And, and how can you help me? Because here's the thing. You, you, you're not pigeonholed. You have options. You can get a divorce and never see your kids again. That's an option. Yeah. Probably not a good option. Not the best option. But here's the thing. No matter what circumstance we're in, th- there, there are times where that is a good option. For me... Getting a divorce in my own life was one of the best things that ever happened to me. It was also one of the best things that ever happened to my spouse. Now, obviously, I'm not telling Kelly to do that, but there are times where that is an appropriate response. With respect to just clutter, it has to do with how can I get you to better understand what my position is? Mm-hmm. And I think one of the best ways to do that is to ask the question. And so here's another pithy answer for Sean to put in the notes here. Better questions lead to better solutions. And right now, Kelly, I think maybe... Uh, you're asking some questions of them. Hopefully you're not just telling them. It doesn't sound like you are. That's what happens with a lot of us. We'll say, hey, Ryan, I think you need to get rid of your, your whatever, your Hummel collection. And <laughs> and uh, the truth is that Ryan is uh, the, the thing. If, if I go to Ryan's house now, it may be cluttered for me. He doesn't, I don't think your house would be cluttered for 99.9% of uh, of the world, but when you and I lived together, Ryan, mm-hmm. you you respected what my my needs were because I I think I did a pretty good job communicating what those needs are and asking the right question. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't me begrudging you and saying you shouldn't have this or you 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 can't do this. It was trying to explain where I was coming from. And I think one of the best ways to do that is start asking some better questions. Absolutely. Yeah, my pithy answer is this: asking loved ones for support especially when you've supported those loved ones is the best help anyone could ask for. It's, it's well, first off, Josh, you and I say this all the time Mm -hmm. about the best way to, to have someone support you is to support that person. Yeah. Um, you and I, I cannot reiterate that point enough. When you go out of your way, the reason why I went out of my way to support you when we were roommates is because you go out of your way to support me. And we've yes. always done that for each other. I don't know who, you know, started supporting who first, but we've always done that for each other. But, but without had, that expectation, right? So, and yes, without, right, exactly. I can't say, well, you know what? I'm going to help Ryan do the dishes today. So hopefully he'll help me repair my bike no, tonight or no. something. Like it, it, the contribution doesn't work like that. Right. And I have had other roommates where I do not, I will not go out of my way to support them because they do not, they did not go out of their way to support our living environment or, or maybe you did go out of your way for a while but then they took advantage of it sure and, and then you're like well screw this if people are taking advantage of my support then why am i going to continue to, to be supportive right there is one particular situation where yeah like that's exactly how it unfolded and i got out of that situation no longer lived with that person right but i was with them for about a year we were roommates for a year and a half two years and it was uh yeah it was it was not the best situation so i changed it sure um when i had that option so yeah obviously um uh, Kelly's got a loving family and uh, she obviously supports them. So I feel like they're going to support her. So yeah, I, 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 I'm echoing what you're saying, Josh, is she just needs to lovingly ask them for their support. It doesn't mean that they have to get rid of their collection, but is there a way for them to still have their collection, but also maybe have the house feel a little less cluttered? So uh, Kelly... You're asking the right questions. Um, you're asking us the right questions. You just now have to ask your family that same question. Yeah, and maybe another question to ask them then, Ryan, is what problem does 
decluttering solve for them because right now they don't see a problem at all right, right. and if she's offering a solution to a problem that doesn't exist for them mm-hmm. then why would you want that right if, if i keep telling you ryan i've got the best nail polish that you're gonna it's gonna make your hands look great you're like well i don't have that problem and so i don't really need that right, right. And, and i i think with, with your family is right now they don't see what the solution is for and so maybe you can answer this sort of quietly to yourself like, what problem does decluttering solve for you and then what problem would decluttering or 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 letting go of a collection solve for the other people in your family and once you understand that you'll start to understand what the benefits of that letting go are and then you can better communicate that and you can better open up the lines of communication the the last thing i'll say here is you know i don't know how old you are kelly let's assume you're 30 years old here and, and and you it took you 30 years to get to this point of letting go of a collection and and to expect someone else to instantly adhere to that same revelation you had 30 years in or 35 years or 40 years or however long it's been you know what it's it's going to be really difficult for you to get someone to change over if it took you 30 years to build a house trying to get someone else to build it overnight is virtually impossible mm-hmm. and so keep in mind they're not in the same place that you are but you can you can show them the recipe that that you 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 put together to get there and perhaps they can get there uh in a more direct fashion because you took a circuitous route to get there maybe there's a more direct path but also don't expect it to to happen overnight all right our next question is from Haley. Haley asks what fuels people's desire <laughs> let me try that again millie what fuels people's desire to collect in the first place well, my, my short answer is, I think I have two short answers here. Uh, my first one is, we often collect things to mask our hoarding. And we just talked about that with the collecting hmm. is dangerous, I say. Sometimes, like, it just sounds nice because to say I have a collection instead of saying I have a hoard. Right. But sometimes we have a hoard. I, I had a hoard of... of Al Pacino memorabilia, which sounds just terrible to say, right? I, I, I get a little embarrassed even, even saying that. If I had emotions, I would feel embarrassed right now. <laughs> and, and I, I think <laughs> initiating embarrassment response. <laughs> no, just, wait, blushing, I'm just imagining. Blushing. A, <laughs> I'm blushing, blushing. I'm imagining a hoarder. Instead of saying like, "Oh, I'm a hoarder," they're like. Look at my newspaper collection. Uh, is, oh, this is this is perfect. And I was going to wait till next week when we talk about decorations to talk about this. But this is the, as soon as you said that. So I have a bookshelf, right, with 40, 50, 60 books, whatever, however many books are. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't count my things, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it fits all my books. And when I actually want to put a new book on there, I have to take one off and like get rid of it. So like, there's a, because I'm not going to have a second, third book. At least I'm not going to right now. If I decide to in the future, I'm going to do so intentionally. But, but here's the thing. I, I was thinking like I'm getting this beautiful magazine rack that I've been looking at getting because I have, I, I, each week I read the New Yorker um, and Bex gets like dwell magazine and uh, occasionally we'll get the catalog from design within reach. And, and I like looking at, at these magazines, but then like having a magazine rack means, well, now I can hoard these magazines, right? Mm. But how is that different from my book collection? Mm. Well, I, I can I can honestly say how it's different, like, because uh, there's different uses. And, and the books in my book collection are ones I like, my favorite books I lend out. With magazines, I don't have the same sort of affinity for magazines. And so for me, it, it would be a... A way to say, look at my magazine collection. 
No, it's just a horde. It's mm. a it's a small horde of magazines. <laughs> and when I say it like that, I'm like, screw that. I'm not spending the twenty dollars or whatever or fifty dollars on this magazine rack. That's why am I going to waste that money if uh, just to to supplement my horde? Right. And so I think it's around the language we use. The, the other the other pithy answer that uh, the minimal maxim that I would have here would be uh, insecurity leads to collecting. Mm. And 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 it's yeah. that thing I was talking about earlier. Ryan is like, well. Um, man, I I will be a more complete person. Like I'm incomplete now, but if I just have this collection, if I get this thing just right, then I will be just right. Yeah, dude, that's right along the lines of my pithy answer. My pithy answer is having the complete collection will not by default make one complete. And I think ultimately what you're talking about is why a lot of people do collect. Some people truly have collections of things that they love and it fuels their life and it really does augment their life in a positive way. But I totally agree. There is a percentage of people, obviously not every single person. I don't even want to put a percentage on it, but certainly there is a percentage of people who uh, they, they will feel like having a complete collection of something is going to help them somehow be complete as a human being. Someone actually um, told me, cause I was talking about how I bite my nails all the time and pick up my nails. Mm-hmm. And someone was explaining to me, they're like, dude, that is a, uh, that is a mental thing where, cause I was explaining to them how I've got like right now, I've got this little edge on my thumb and I'm like, oh, if I could just get that one little edge that and make that smooth, it'll be so perfect. Mm-hmm. And they were like, that is a, um, a symptom of like your overarching thoughts of yourself Yeah, that you don't feel like you are a hundred percent complete. So you pick your nails and if you could just get that one edge a little bit more smooth you could be that much closer to being complete and it just like blew my mind when (laughs) when they were explaining this to me so maybe what maybe maybe the antidote to that is uh, embrace the incompleteness right because it is going to be incomplete it's everything's impermanent Mm, yeah and i mean how do we even define complete anyway because eventually you're going to die that's the only way to truly be complete is you've completed your life and now you're dead no matter what your thoughts are about afterlife or lack thereof like that's the the end of a complete life it's mm. a complete life cycle but in in the meantime you're going to be incomplete and and no matter how many things you collect no matter no matter how many hordes that that you have no matter how many nails i bite yeah, you're not going to be complete. <laughs> Never going to be 100 percent complete, and that's okay. Yeah, so, so man, there's some sort of metaphor in really, nail yeah. biting and collecting. You don't actually hang on to the nails or anything, do you? <laughs> no, of course not. That's crazy. <laughs> I just want to be very clear for anyone listening out there, it, there, because uh, I'm sure there's someone who you know maybe is listening to this. Uh, maybe like their spouse is listening to this episode, and like they're just they just happen to be catching some of it in the background while their spouse is listening to it. Yes. And they might be thinking like, these guys are crazy. I have a collection. I love it. It adds a ton of value to my life. If you're that person, great. Like, I'm not going to be that person personally. And that's great too. Yeah. Yeah. And and the question then is, what is appropriate for my life? Yeah. And, and I, it's not, uh, going back to those rules, it's not, my rule isn't, I'm not going to have a collection. Mm-mm. My rule is the things that I bring into my life serve a purpose or bring me joy. And if a collection somehow falls under that, whether it's my my bookshelf or if I wanted to go get a Precious Moments collection sometime in the future because I thought it was so beautiful, then so be it. It just has to fit the rules of my own life. And the good news is 
you get to make those rules as well. Hopefully some of our rules will help you out, but but you get to decide. All right, it's time for our added value portion of the show. This is where we each talk about something that has added value to our lives recently. It doesn't mean we're recommending it for you, but it's something that has added value to our lives recently. And so this really has nothing to do with collecting, but I have a new album you can add to your music collection. <laughs> um, man, I have been playing this thing out. We were playing it in the car on the way to the airport the other day, Ryan. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jack Harlow. Yeah, it's great. He has dude. an album called, it's a technically a mixtape. Who, who knows what the hell that means anymore? It's called Gazebo. It's a 10 track album. And it is so good. And then I saw the video. Let's put a link to the video. Um, uh, man, he doesn't look anything like I imagine he would have looked like. Mm. He's a 19-year-old kid from uh, Louisville. And it's just, it's so far, it's my album of the year. Uh, album of 2018, Jack Harlow, Gazebo. In fact, uh, if it's okay with Sean, I think we play a snippet of one of my favorite songs on there. He's got a bunch. Like, the whole thing is great. Uh, the uh, the second song on, on the album is called Routine. Let's, uh, let's play a snippet of that real quick. Actually, you know what? Let's listen to the the intro from Gazebo. It's a song called Eastern Parkway, and it kind of lets you feel the the vibe. It sets up the album really well, and it's a good song to play at night if you're just if you're just riding in the car. Eastern Parkway, Jack Harlow. I'm gliding on the way to her apartment and I'm riding, taking in the smell of the street. It's nighttime, by the way, but you can tell by the beat. That bass knocking in my whip just like some elephant feet. Catch a wave when I'm driving past my elementary. Grew around the kids and made a belt with a string. It made me feel like I belong because they could tell I was me. Since then, feeling like I might have lost track. I've been thinking too much, but I can't help it. I think. Did that belly, did that come out this year? Was belly this year? That's last year. Oh, that was last year. Yeah. Yeah. I think I recommended that on a, pa- on a past podcast. Yeah, well, it's funny because like I'm just now getting into that album. Yeah. Um, even though you recommended it, and it's like, yeah, that that's a really good one too. My my point is is like the the that Har- that Jack Harlow album is pro- like it's the best like newest hip hop album I've heard. Yeah. And Belly was probably that like before Jack Harlow was my favorite newest yeah. hip hop album. Yeah, I I really dig both of those albums. You got anything that's added value to your life recently? I do, man. I was, um, so I went, um, went to Las Vegas. So I went to go visit, um, our old friend from the corporate world. Mike? Mike, yeah. He's my favorite person I've ever fired. (laughs) (laughs) I love that story. (laughs) Yeah, he, um, yeah, he's doing great, man. Him and his partner, uh, went out and visited them. So I went to this um, this restaurant in Las Vegas called Saki Rock. Okay. Let me make sure I got this right. So there's this dude out there. Um, uh, yeah, it's Saki Rock. I'll, and I'll make sure there's a link to it in the show notes. But there's this guy out there where he was like, hey, man, you're the minimalist guy, man. If, if you like my food, like, do you mind giving it a mention? I'm like, no, like I totally give recommendations all the time man, on, on my podcast or on Twitter or whatever. Like as long as it's a genuine recommendation, we don't do any advertisements or anything. And uh, yeah, long story short, the food was, it's the best sushi I've ever had in Las Vegas for sure. 
So um, if you're in the Vegas area, like I would totally recommend it, but the food was awesome. And I'm like, all right, Nick, like this was really good food. I will totally re- make sure to recommend this, man. And that's, so that's yeah, Saki Rock in Vegas, dude. That's why I love love being able to do this without without advertisements because it's like, yeah, we could make money from people paying us to talk about their thing. But for me, being able to recommend you know, the Jack Harlow album, because I, there was something about just listening to the album where I felt 19 again yeah. in a way that was like, like optimistic and and enjoying like just the 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 his album's called Gazebo and I heard him uh, in an interview they're like why did you call your album Gazebo he goes I just appreciate sitting in a gazebo <laughs> he's like I just think they're really underrated he's like I appreciate things that people generally don't appreciate like park benches like if I see a park bench I'm gonna go sit on the park bench and I'm like. Yes, that's being 19. Like, I remember, like, just going hanging out in a parking lot somewhere yeah. with friends at, at age 19. And, and, and the, here's the cool thing is, like, you can do that now, right? Like, uh, Bex and I will, will just go, like, we went to LACMA this weekend and just, like, like walked the aisles and, and, and took some edibles. And, <laughs> <laughs> and, like, everything was instantly profound, right? That's great. And, um, and like you can, as as a nineteen year old, you don't have to be nineteen to experience that feeling of optimism and youth. You can experience it through the music, and so that's that's why that album really really stood out to me. It's about the experiences that we have, and not these collections. To get back to the collecting side of things, yeah. the collection of things. And so, what you're talking about with the sushi restaurant is you had a great experience. And food. I totally forgot to mention. Speaking of music, they they do a performance while you're eating too. What do you mean? It's like. Um, uh, when I was there, it was kind of like a, like a drag show, but it was freaking awesome. Like the music was great, performance was great. Okay, and it's while you eat, and it's not intrusive at all. Like a lot of the dinner theaters is kind of it's weird, like eating and watching theater, but like they do it in a really awesome way. Yeah. But anyway, no, I mean, I'm sorry to interrupt what the point that you were making, but I, you're not interrupting anything. We're having a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do totally agree, man. Well, I think what's cool too about our recommendations is like people know that they're like very genuine recommendations. Yeah, and and, it, and again, it may not be for you. Like even your recommendation right now. Uh, I know, it, I was gonna say, I didn't mean to rub it in your face. <laughs> <laughs> so I can't do sushi right now because of the whole mercury poisoning thing. Um, and, and so I can't do fish, uh, seafood in general. Uh, but um, yeah, I can still appreciate your experience and your appreciation of, of the experience. Absolutely. And just because I like an album doesn't mean you will either. But uh uh, Jack Harlow, if you're out there and you and and you you uh, hopefully you can appreciate the fact that I appreciate your music, even though we're in completely different worlds. You were young enough to be my son. Um, <laughs> I basically what he's saying, Jack, is can he be your dad? <laughs> yeah, can I be your 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 adoptive stepdad? <laughs> uh, I know you already have parents, but uh, if you if you need a, another father figure, I'm I'm happy to uh, to uh, to lend an ear uh, or or any other. Ella's going to make a great stepsister. <laughs> That's right. You can follow her on Twitter, at Ella Sandwich. All right, y'all. It's uh, time for Right Here, Right Now. So we talk about what's going on in the lives of the minimalists. So, Ryan, we've got some stuff going on. We do? We, I already mentioned we're filming a new documentary. If you want to be a part of that, you can be part of the, the live studio audience. The 3 p.m. show sold out in a few hours. So we added a second talk at 7 p.m. It's February 10th. You can find all the details to that over at theminimalists.com slash tour. We'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. It's February 10th. Man, I can't wait to uh, 
to to share this documentary with the world. I think I think it's going to be outstanding, and especially because we got Matt back on board. He mm-hmm. directed uh, the the documentary, and uh, we're 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 going for uh, a repeat of something meaningful. Like, yeah. I feel like we really created something meaningful. It's time to go back to that and, and create something else meaningful for for the folks out there. And uh, we are ending our lessons now tour. We're doing the international dates uh, in Australia. We have seven dates. We're going to be in Perth, Adelaide, Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne, and Auckland. A few of those are already sold out, and a few others are really close to selling out. If you want tickets to any of our Australia dates, it's throughout the month of March. You can follow the dates, all the theaters, all the ticket information over at theminimalists.com slash tour. Also, if you want the show notes, uh, to I always mention the show notes, but we, we everything we talk about today, whether it's links or articles or recommendations, it, it, all of these are in our show notes. We email those right to you. Um, they're on our website. So you go over to theminimalists.com, enter your email address. We'll never send you spam because spam is disgusting, but we will email you the show notes anytime a new episode is out there. Also, uh, new on our website, by the time this comes out, there's a new essay about how the minimalists are using social media in 2018. Maybe uh, next week, Ryan, you and I can talk a little bit about um, some of the lessons we learned this uh, this week, this this month, being off of social media, mm. and what we learned, uh, what we thought we would learn but didn't learn, and how we're going to use social media more deliberately going forward. There's an essay on the website right now. Also, if you if you're on our email list, you already have access to that. It goes out to to your email. Uh, oh, and this week on Overtime. So each week, Ryan and I record a private podcast. It's called The Minimalist's Private Podcast uh, for exclusively for our Patreon supporters because advertisements suck. We refuse to pepper this podcast with advertisements. Instead, uh, we are 100% listener supported. So we're answering the following question this week on the uh, Overtime episode on the minimalist private podcast anthony asks i have two collections and i'm having an impossible time letting go impossible time i've called mm-hmm. uh, I've, I've collected comic books for 15 years and boy scout patches for 30 years i'm 35 years old now and i've started to pare down the boy scout patches but i keep finding myself buying more comics so how do we deal with continuing to buy uh, things that we're collecting and, and deal with that impulse of collecting. We're going to answer that on overtime. Now, I know what you're thinking. If you're listening to this at home, you guys are really going to make me like log on to a website and to listen to that extended overtime podcast. No, it, here's the good thing about the Minimalist Private Podcast. It is a separate podcast feed, but it shows up right there in your podcast app next to this podcast. So if you listen to this podcast on, say, a Tuesday, on Wednesdays when the overtime episode comes out, it shows up right in your podcast feed. You just need the private podcast link that we send out to you. Also, this Friday, we are going to uh, publish on Patreon. Also, in that private podcast feed, our Philadelphia event. We, we did an event in Philadelphia last year, and we recorded it, and that's going out exclusively for our Patreon supporters, so a full hour-long event that we that we did. We answered questions live in front of that sold-out Philadelphia audience. Uh, also, video podcast coming soon, as we mentioned at the opening of this. If you're interested in watching some uh, snippets of the podcast or full episodes of the podcast coming soon, youtube.com slash The Minimalist. If you do want to support us on Patreon, if you want to be a supporter of The Minimalist, uh, just go to theminimalists.com, click on Donate at the top there. Then you'll have the option to do Patreon or uh, uh, Venmo or 
PayPal. If you're a Patreon supporter, though, you get access to all of the private podcasts, also our monthly live stream that we do where we answer questions. We call it Ask the Minimalists Anything. So a bunch of really cool perks. Plus, you get uh, advanced tickets to any event that we're going to do. You get access before the general public. That's all I got right now, Ryan. You got anything else for us? I've got some voicemail comments and tips from our listeners if you're interested. I am. Let's listen. Did I say listen? You did say listen. But yeah, but what the heck? Let's listen. Yeah, let's listen to these questions. What would Freud say Freud say about that? <laughs> <laughs> Better yet, what would Freud say about that? <laughs> <laughs> Hi, my name is Courtney and I'm from Abilene, Texas. I was calling with a comment for the young girl from the Horizons podcast. I just wanted to say that I personally was able to pay for my entire college through scholarships. And so I wanted to present that to her as an extra way to pay for college. She can Google them. She can use different scholarship resources. And so I think that's an extra way that she could earn money. Hi, Josh and Ryan. This is Heather from San Diego, and I have a tip for Beth from your most recent episode called Resonate. Beth asked for advice about dealing with beauty products as a minimalist. I've been able to pare down my product collection quite a lot since I started my minimalism journey about a year ago. One thing that has helped me so much is joining the Project Pan community. This is a community on the Internet. You could just search for Project Pan on YouTube and Instagram that makes games and challenges out of using up your makeup. Everyone is very supportive. People get really excited when they hit pan on products and eventually use them up. Doing Project Pants has taught me how long it takes to use up products and helped me to buy a lot less. Being aware of expiration dates of makeup also helps to pare down your collection. Knowing that a foundation only has a year-long shelf life and takes about six months or more to use up will prevent you from buying or owning more than two at a time. I know Ryan mentioned the 2020 rule, which doesn't always work, especially if you uh, don't own only drugstore makeup products. Most makeup does cost more than $20. However, the 90-90 rule works pretty well for some makeup products when considering their expiration date. Remember that open tubes of mascara should be thrown out after three months. Every time you use it, more bacteria gets into the product, which is pretty dangerous considering how close the wand gets to your eye. Also, think about how you like to use makeup. Do you like to keep it simple or do you like to have choices? If you like to have choices, there are so many versatile products on the market that many people already have in their collections. Consider rotating through your eyeshadow palettes, doing a one-month, one-palette challenge to give your older palettes some love. You can do this with lip products, too. Challenge yourself to wear a different shade every day for a week. Finally, Beth, you mentioned wanting to purchase more ethically. I recommend looking into the cruelty-free movement. Cruelty-free Kitty and Logical Harmony are great resources online. Best of luck on your journey. Hi, my name is Jeanette, and I'm from Los Angeles, and this message is for the person that was on the Becoming episode asking about what to do with religious items that she wants to get rid of but she doesn't want to just throw in the trash. There are a lot of hospitals, Catholic hospitals, that have gift shops, and they would probably be happy to have a donation of a cross like hers that she could donate and somebody else would be happy to have. All right, Joe, that's it for this episode. If you have a question for the minimalists, especially if you have a comment, please, we need more comments. Uh, We need your help on those. 406-219-7839. You can also email voice memo to podcast at theminimalists.com right from your phone. And if you leave here with just one message, we hope it's this.
love people and use things because the opposite never works. Thanks for listening, y'all. We'll see you next time. Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it Every little thing that you gotta have Every little thing that you gotta have You gotta reach for and you gotta grab Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it So tear your eyes away Or tear